Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Live Church Orlando, where we encourage you to live your life His way. For more information about Live Church and other resources, please visit livechurchorlando.com. to give God praise in this disease-free, virus-free, coronavirus-free sanctuary. Come on. Come on. Can't no disease come up in here. Come on. Amen. If God can keep us in the shopping markets, if he can keep us in the arenas, come on. Certainly he can keep us in the sanctuary where his Shekinah glory dwells. Come on, somebody. Look at somebody and just tell them, no weapon formed against me can prosper. Man, I am so excited. Boy, I what, you know, what do they call that thing when you go to a church and you travel to college and you can join another church? Watch care. Yeah, I'm going to be the first watch care pastor. I'm joining this church today. <laughs> Woo! You guys are living. And it's exciting. I'm extremely thrilled uh, to be here because when uh, Ty and Shantae came to my church, which is about 17, 18 years ago, they were with me for eight, seven perfect years. And I, uh, seven years of their ministry formation, maturation, it's just a blessing to see them here today. They were the same age that many of you all are today in their 20s. And I'm telling you, they were on fire. I mean, Ty's anointing was stupid. You hear me? It was. <laughs> and I am so glad because when he came, uh, right away, the spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, now, you're not here. He's not here to minister to his gift. He's here for you to minister to his life. Now, he had not signed any contracts at that time, but I knew greatness was in him. So I said to him when he was passing, I said, I want you to know right now, I don't give a flip about your gift. Did I tell you that? I'm here to minister to your life. And I want to tell you something about your pastor he and Shantae. They were sponges. They loved the word. They traveled all the way from New Jersey to our church. They were hungry. They were like many of you who are here. And um, to see them now in the same place I was, about the same age, and to see you all, I can't tell you what joy I feel in my heart. Happy birthday, Todd. God bless you, Shantae. We love you. Woo! Now, I don't have to go into all the, I don't, I don't believe in this, this trickery and receiving offerings and all this stuff. Uh, he got that for me. We don't play with money in the church. We don't do that. We just, we just stand on the integrity of God's word. And, and I'm just so glad that, um, that you are convinced in your heart that he's not doing this for the money. Isn't it good to be a part of a church where you know your pastor is not just doing it for the money? But that doesn't mean that we're not going to honor him. And in the scripture, there's two reasons why we use money. And money should just be a tool. Of course, the first reason is why you, what you already did. And that is to honor your man or woman of God. To honor 
And today is a day of honor. He has blessed us. You sang all the songs that he sang. But not only has he blessed us through music, but he's blessed us through the word. Woo! You're not here because of his songs. You're here because of the word. And I saw that in him years ago. He was one of the first musicians I saw that just loved the word. And so his, the word has blessed you. And the Bible says, let the elders that rule well, they are worthy of, should be worthy of double honor. And the word honor there means honorarium. That means whatever you had planned to give, you should probably double it today. We're getting quiet in this live church now. Y'all were shouting them down just a few minutes ago. We don't say that. And you might say, well, he probably don't need it. He doesn't matter the fact if he need it or not. But how I many know, even though he doesn't need it, he can still use it. <laughs> and so every time we give to a man of God, and of course this is not just for you all, but this is for those of you that are watching, the thousands that are watching by way of streaming. His songs have ministered to you. And even though no one is looking at you, you still can be a blessing to him. Honor him all over the world. Everybody who's watching, at least to see the 45 hours, they'll double that, 90, 100, do something awesome. If you love him, show it to him. And that's the last thing I'm going to say. The second reason why you uh, give and use money in the scripture is to encourage people. The Bible says in Acts that the son of uh, his name is Joseph or surnamed Barnabas, he sold his goods and possessions and then he laid the money at the apostles' feet and the scripture says his name was son of encouragement. How many know that money can encourage you? Okay, I ain't like it, y'all. How many, how many would say, I need some encouraging right now? <laughs> you down and somebody slips you a $1,000 offering or seed, you go get encouraged real quick. Y'all ain't saying amen. $100, somebody say. So money encourages, and I want you to blow his mind today in encouraging him. Uh, I had this real awesome favor message I was going to teach. I mean, I was meditating all week long about favor because I believe that the word favor has been abused in the body of Christ. And it's been reduced to, you know, a, a good parking space or a promotion. Uh, it's been reduced to uh, someone giving you money or giving you a house because you have bad credit. That's such a shallow definition of favor. The real reason why God gives you favor is to reveal his redemptive grace in your life. Everybody in scripture who had favor literally impacted the world. You remember when Noah found favor? He literally changed the whole human race. He built the boat that no one had never seen before. Rain came and he literally preserved a whole human race because God said, I'm sick of all y'all. And we are here today because Noah found Joseph had favor. And Joseph, you know, we talk about Joseph and he had favor. Joseph had favor. Well, there's a flip side of favor because if you, when you really have favor, your family would turn on you many times. Are you listening to me? When you really get favor, you trigger the insecurity of those around you. You don't even know that you, you don't even know <laughs> your favor until, uh, your friends until you really get favor. When I see favor in the scripture, I see things like, you know, people say, I'm blessed. 
and highly favored. And I'm saying, if you blessed and highly favored, the body of Christ is in trouble. Because <laughs> the last person I saw that was blessed and highly favored, they almost lost their marriage. When Mary came to Joseph and said, I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost, and the scripture says she was highly favored. <laughs> you see, some of you don't understand why things are being disrupted in your life. It's because you are pregnant with five favor. And when you have favor, you carry something that usually people around you can't even handle. I talk about everything in that book. I talk about, talk about singles. Uh, can he put a ring on it? Can he afford to put a ring on it? That's in that book. I'm going to show you how to get your Boaz. <laughs> not, not Bozo, Boaz. <laughs> now, these, these two books, I only got one more, so... Yeah, you can go online and get all of them at www.drkenrobinson.com. They'll be a blessing to you. Now, it's not a commercial. I just want to be a blessing to you. These, this is now. I got a connection with TBN too. This book was written by TBN. Yeah. So here it is. Here comes the dream. How the dream through life's disappointments. Anybody has some life disappointments? So we talked about how the dream through life. This. Well, here you go. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I signed that. Uh, this is for Kelvin. Kelvin. If you come, if you will, Kelvin Leach has been his manager for many years. Uh, come on, come on, give it up for Kelvin. Because you cannot go anywhere in life without managing what you have. God will never give you what you can't manage. 
Are you listening to me? Money flows in your life according to your ability to handle it, to manage it. Increase flows in your life according to your ability, ability to manage it. And I have watched you manage Ty's affairs. And I want you to know, as his spiritual father, I appreciate that so much. Here comes Jim. Here it is, man. Let's give it up for him. He's a special man. All right. Love you guys. What are y'all realizing now? Y'all my grandchildren. <laughs> you ready for the word? I brought a few notes because God just shifted this thing in the middle of the night. So I have to obey him. I want to go to 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. Let's look at 1 Samuel 30. Thank you, Lord. Help me with the time, somebody. I'm trying to get this. 1 Samuel 30. How many glad to be in church today? Yeah. Woo! I want you to know there's a church back in Baltimore that is interceding for this church, and this church will not fail. Don't compare Ty and Chante to these other pastors who didn't make it in Orlando. They may be young, but they've been in this thing a long time. They're very seasoned. They've been in full-time ministry since they were young kids at 20 years old. They've been through some bruises. They've been through some challenges. So they're not novice, even though they're young and youthful. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. And so I know we got to say, well, I come here to help you and all that. Well, you really came here to serve. You don't come to help. You come to serve. You come to serve. And that's, that's one of the ways you can discern if someone has been sent to your house. They ask the question, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? I'm from New York. I ain't scared of nobody. <laughs> how can I serve you? How can I serve you, Pastor? I know I was a deacon somewhere else, but see... Uh, 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 Deacons are, deacons are appointed positions. You are knowing that you could be a deacon somewhere else, but when you come here, you can't deacon here until we appoint you as a deacon. You could be a minister in another church, and you could have been a power minister, but when you come here, you become a real diaconal. How may I serve you? I was a minister over there, but you're not a minister here until we appoint you as a minister here. I hope I'm all right, Ty. I don't want to get out of order. I just want to set some things in order. Hallelujah. Because this, 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 believe me, believe me, y'all. Believe me. I, this, is, this is amazing what God is doing here. But this right here, please get this. This right here, it ain't no stage. It's not. It's a war zone. It's a battleground. When God told Jehoshaphat to go, he said, how are we going to fight all these enemies? He said, well, send the singers first. Which means if you're out there first, that means you're going to be the first one to catch the bullets, the first one to catch the attack. But oh, if you keep on worshiping him, you'll get the victory every time. So don't get this confused. It's not a stage. Not with the anointing and oil that's on your pastor's life. 
But you have some beautiful young people singing. They like they sing. They like they really love the Lord. But gotta make sure you understand that every time you step up here, you are in warfare. You are in warfare, which means that you should come here with your full armor every single time you open your mouth to sing. I don't, I'm trying to stop. I'm really trying to get to this message, but I need you to hear this. You can't produce a, fair, a prayer life on the stage. You got to have a public prayer life so you can have a, a private prayer life so you can have a public ministry. So no one should ever come because if we as pastors, and I know Ty, this is like this, if we are before the Lord before we stand up here, then it's no different for singers and musicians. Amen? All right, I hope y'all like me. I love that. All right, 1 Samuel 30 and 69. This is for Ty, but listen, he ministers to us. 47, probably to 50 Sundays a year. All he thinks about is getting the word of you. This word is primarily to encourage him, but it's going to minister very powerful to you. In fact, many of you, things are going to come off you that have been on your life for many, many years. Things that you've been trying to get rid of for many, many years are going to leave your life today. That's the kind of God we serve. 1 Samuel 6 through 9, I'm going to kind of take for granted that you guys know the story of David and Ziglag, how uh, the enemy came and burnt his camp at Ziglag and took his wife and children, and not only his, but all of his soldiers. So I'm going to pick it up. It says in verse 6, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened, or your Bible may say, encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue his troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, he said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Let's just stop right there. Now let's go to verse 18. It says, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons and daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. I know some of you right now, you're already thinking, he's getting ready to tell us to. Look at your neighbor and your neighbor. You shall recover all. No, that ain't the, that ain't the message. That ain't the message. Y'all don't heard enough of that. Come on. We're going to come in another angle today. I want to talk about a leader's paradox. A leader's paradox. Encouraging the encourager who encourages the encourager I'm a teacher preacher so just flow with me and walk with me father we thank you for your awesome presence minister to your people and especially to your servant and his wife may they be encouraged and strengthened through the word you speak through these lips I pray 
in Jesus' name. I wanted to draw my, my, my subject from this text context because what we see in this context is a good example how some things in life may not kill you, but they'll damage you. I may have gone through some things and you made it out, but all the stuff you were carrying after you came out. You got rid of that brother, but my God, you, you've been messed up ever since. Mm-hmm. The truth is that leaders and pastors like Ty and myself and some others who minister week after week, every single week, we are dealing with the residue of broken relationships, bad choices, and, and uh, poor decisions, and deep hurts, and scars, and wounds of people, and many personal and family problems. Every single week, mental illness, and schizophrenic saints, and crazy saints. Every week. Now, I'm not talking about y'all here. I'm talking about people from the church down, down the street. Nobody crazy up in here. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes we uh, have the wrong, I would say, perspective of kingdom ministry or Christian leaders because we uh, kind of think that they are infallible or we feel like uh, they are more than life itself. And it's easy to feel that way because when you think about it, every time they come and minister, they're, they're ministering in an imperfect flesh, a perfect message. I mean, it's easy because every time they speak, they speak by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the word of God, which is perfect. And it just seems like they're just on top of the world every time they open their mouth. And it's so easy to forget and confuse that your leaders are human too. And they have real issues and problems and struggles and pains. And they get tired and tired of you and church folk like you do. Come on. And it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to get that, you know. And so I wanted to really deal with this today because leaders also experience pain and affliction. In fact, a study showed by Barna that 40% uh, of pastors are depressed. Depressed by marital uh, problems depressed because of parental issues and finances. And the greatest reason why they studied, it was in the study that they were depressed uh, was because the congregation is uncommitted. Hello. So leaders experience pain and affliction. And, and so I want you to get this because uh, the Bible describes it like this. Uh, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure which speaks of the revelation of the gospel that we preach. But yet God chose in his infinite wisdom to package it with in, in human vessels. And so the picture is a vessel that is broken, that is flawed, uh, that is scarred. But yet they carry this treasure. And yet they still minister. And sometimes the real crazy thing and paradox is, is that sometimes the more they're broken, the more anointing they are. They have. The more that, I mean, there's times when I have been, I had nothing. I was so weak and I was so worn. And I'm sure your pastor's been testing this. And I said, God, I ain't really got nothing to give these people. And then when I get up, his strength becomes perfect. 
in my weakness. Somebody shout hallelujah. How many of you have said, I ain't talking to nobody today. I'm so sick of life, so sick of these kids, so sick of this everything. And then you got on the bus and the Lord said, minister to that person. Talk to them about Jesus. So that's the way it is. God usually calls us to minister. And so that's why the apostle Paul said it like this. Oh, wretched man that I am. The man, the man by which people uh, were healed by his shadow. He said, oh, jacked up. That's what we would say today. Man that I am. I'm messed up. Which shows whether or not you're a pastor, leader, executive, or whatever area of leadership you're in, especially spiritual leadership, you still have to minister despite your wretchedness. So don't ever forget that. And sometimes we put them on pedestals and we're, and, and we're not careful. We'll miss what God is trying to say. Because here's the real truth. God qualifies spiritual leaders. Listen to me very carefully. He qualifies spiritual leaders not by the eloquence of their speech. Not because they're just great administrators or they have the ability to cast vision so well. He chooses leaders because they have the ability to identify with your sufferings. With your issues. With your pain. And the greatest pastors, and you got them right here, are the ones that are very transparent. And will let you know I'm ministering out of a jacked up, come on, flesh too. That's the best kind of minister. They will minister out of their pain. And so you got to understand that the, 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 that God, they don't minister or God doesn't choose them because they're, they're, they're busy. He chooses them because they have the ability to identify. For who ministers to them when they need to be encouraged? Mm -hmm. You see, recovery, this is what the Lord spoke to me about several years ago. He says, some recovery is not a bounce back. Resurrection is a bounce back. But recovery is gradual. In fact, God made you, he, he created you perfect and then said, now let me work on your imperfection. He could have did it the opposite way, but he said, no, I'm going to save your spirit first. And then I'm going to work on your jacked up soul and your, come on, are you listening to me? That's what he does. That's what he does. He ministers to us and because he understands that that resurrection power uh, is, is, is boom. I mean, there it is. You are born again, saved, eternal life. But he knows that recovery, because sometimes you still got to get the crack out of your system. You still got to get the lust, the perversion out of your system. You got to work on that thing. And it takes, it don't happen over, hello. Come on, look me straight ahead if I'm talking to you. Look straight ahead. It doesn't just happen like that. So, so, the, so I love this because theologians have this, some theologians, some may not agree with this. And if you're watching, don't, don't shout me down if you don't agree with my theology. But they say that Jesus, you know, he was resurrected in a glorified body. So the resurrection is a picture of his restoration. But the cross is a picture or his remedy for our recovery. And so I, we shout about recovering all, but God says, I, you're not going to recover all until I first recover you. 
And some of you, you're in the process of a, a great recovery because you're about to get everything that the devil stole from your life. You walked in lived church and things were broken, things were bruised, but I'm here to tell you, you came to the right place at the right time for the right season. Because this is the ministry that doesn't judge you by your resurrection. We treat you according to your recovery. We say, come as you are. Let us work on you because you can still live and still, watch this, and still be worked on. Hallelujah. So the, look, I want you to look at the act of crucifixion. Just follow me real quickly. First, the thongs cut through his skin only. Then as the blows continued, they cut deeper into the subcanaeus of his tissues, producing first an oozing of blood from the capillaries and the veins of the skin. And finally, spurting arterial bleeding from his vessels and underline, underlining the muscles. Small balls of lead first produce large, deep bruises, which are broken open by subsequent blows. Finally, the skin of the back is hanging in long ribbons, and the entire area is unrecognizable. A mass of torn flesh and bleeding tissue. And sometimes the wounds and cuts are so deep, they're layers deep. And so watch this. And so Isaiah 53 and 10 says, and yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And I ministered this in my church a few years ago, getting healed from bruises, wounds, and scars. Because they're not all the same. And that's what Jesus experienced on the cross. He experienced bruises, wounds, and scars. And bruises are when you have had a puncture in your blood vessels, and so it has discolored your skin. But the challenge with, with bruises is, is that we don't really know what's going on on the inside. So when you are bruised, you have a tendency, watch the video, to be pretentious and show a straw exterior. exterior. Like, I've got it going on. But you're still bruised by what happened to you in your childhood. And you can't get past that father that molested you. And you can't get past that mother that you felt never, ever liked you. The bruised. And then wounds are those deep hurts that go deep within. And wounds can be covered because they just kind of, they leave scars, but they kind of can go away, but they stay there on the inside. So people who have deep wounds past the tie, they now are trying to get affirmation everywhere they go. Do you love me? Do you appreciate me? Can you make me a minister at your church? Nobody want to give me an opportunity. I know I'm called. I know I'm anointed. And you really are. But the challenge is we got to have you to recover from those wounds. Because you got to get to the place where God deals with you and you get to the place where he recovers you to the place where you don't even care what anybody thinks about you. That's when you know your wounds have been healed. When you can care less if they invite you or call you or like your page. Come on, somebody. You're just excited. Are you listening to me? That God accepts you in the beloved. Can I get about 100 people that will shout because God accepted you? 
I get excited because he loves me with an unconditional love. I get excited because he covered me in my mess and he's still covering me. I get excited because he says no one can condemn you. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Can I get about a hundred people that will praise him for being covered by the blood? Y'all ain't praising him enough. Maybe you've been perfect. Maybe you never made a mistake. Maybe you weren't so hurt that you couldn't come to church. Maybe you weren't so broken that you couldn't lift your hands and praise him. But there are some people in here that remember those dark days. And some of you are there right now. But if you can lift your hands and give God a praise and worship him through it, I'm here to tell you God will heal you of all your wounds. Back healing is taking place right now. Now scars are different because he got bruised. Scars are different because scars stay. Scars don't go anywhere. I got some scars right here in my, my head right here. <laughs> when I was 10 years old playing basketball, somebody came down and just, that scar is still there. And God allows it to be just like that because scars are there to remind you that you overcame. But if you, watch this, but if you don't understand that, you'll be fearful, shameful, or you just regretful. Why did that happen to me? And they hurt me. And, and my father did this to me. And, and they ain't never loved me. And you'll stay in that place of scarring because it doesn't ever leave you. But God says, I need you to learn how to praise me because I did bring you through that. I need you to learn how to praise me because I brought you out of it. And now what I need you to do, every time you look at that scar, lift your hands and give God a loudest shout because God brought you through it and it's a reminder that if he did it before all of this took place at the cross all of it all of it and that's what made Jesus the great high priest not because he fought miracles not because he gave great parables not because he was just a great storyteller what made him the captain of our salvation was that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes today we are healed. So that means Jesus took every bruise, he took every wound, he took every scar that you have and he says, watch this, he says, come unto me because I am a high priest who cannot, watch this, who cannot be touched or feel of the feelings of your infirmities. In other words, I know exactly how you feel so I'm saying to myself how in the world he had this resurrection body but yet... He still has scars. And Thomas, so theologians struggle with that because there's no way you could have received all those lacerations and bruises and cuts like he did on the cross and just, just never be, just, just, just bounce back. So he left the scars there. And then there was a man, one of his disciples, who didn't believe because he showed up and they didn't believe. And they said, oh, you know, he, he, they didn't believe that he came. So he, they said, Thomas, Jesus was here. He said, nah, he wasn't here. They said, yeah, Jesus was here. And Thomas says, no, nah, no, nah, unless I take my hands and, and touch the nail prints on his hand, and unless I take my hand and thrust it to the side, he said, then only will I believe. 
So the Bible says eight days later. Some of y'all get ready for a new beginning. Jesus shows up in the house. And he says, Thomas, reach your finger here. Now watch this now. He has a glorified body. Because I was always told that when you, a glorified body means everything that was wrong with you is going to be now perfect. He says, touch it, touch it, touch it, touch it. He said, now take your hand, uh, Thomas, and thrust it in my side. Because that's what he wants you to do when you're doubting him. When your life has been damaged and it seems like your damaged goods and you cannot get your ministry back or your money back or it seems like the relationships you lost can never be recovered and the devil is whispering in your ear and he's telling you it'll never be the same. It'll never be the same. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. All you need to know is that Jesus was scarred for you. All you need to do, watch this, is stretch your hands forward. But here's the real message in that. He says, Thomas, now you believe because you touched me. But I say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe and sometimes you gotta praise him in spite of what you're going through and sometimes you gotta worship him even though your heart is breaking even though your heart is heavy even though it's not changing he says if you can give me that kind of praise then you're blessed I'm almost done I'm gonna get to my text So Jesus is a picture of recovery. Say recovery. Say recovery. Look at your neighbor and I'm in recovery. Now you may have gotten over something, but you're still in some kind of recovery. Recovery is seasonal and it's also strategic. It's seasonal because when you're in recovery, God says that's where you are. And some things when you're in recovery, no matter what you try to do to open the door, God keeps the door shut. You ever gone through a surgery? I've been through surgery, Pastor. You go through surgeries, and the first thing they do, they don't just take you out of surgery and just say, well, go on home now. When you come out of surgery, you go straight to the recovery room. They isolate you. (laughs) Can I tell you that God has the whole church in recovery room right now? The whole church has been isolated, home. Why? Because we've been in recovery. Because when we come out this time. <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. I know, what I, tell, I know what they're telling you. We ain't going to never have church again. Church ain't going to never be full again. The devil is a lie. So why is the NBA saying we're going to have our crowd back? The NFL saying we're going to have our crowd back. Everybody's going to have their crowd back, but folk ain't coming to church. The devil is a lie. Don't believe that. I'm here to tell you when this thing is over, folk going to be running the church. Recovery is strategic. When they got you in that recovery room, they, you don't even know because you're so sedated. You, <laughs> I mean, you're really high. You, that, that's, and that's the best high. I mean, that, woo, I mean, come on, give it to me again. You know what I'm saying? You just love it. Recovery, because they play, and they play music. You don't even they're playing music in the background. Because all of that is a part of your recovery. Isolation, quietness, music time waiting and that's where some of you have been you've just been in a place of worship i'm here to tell you it's time to turn up the worship don't just worship when you come in here but when you get in your car put on your best cd 
When you go home, put on your best worship music. I know that's what some of y'all been doing because you're in recovery. <laughs> and so that's what's happened. Now, that's, I, I took that, said all that because David is a picture of a leader that needed recovery now. Now, the, the text, the chapters before the text, David runs to the enemy camp because he's tired. He's tired of running from Saul. He's anointed, but he's running. He's anointed, but he's not in his position. He's not in his, in his destiny. He's not, and it's just, I mean, it's like he's so far away from what God called him. God anointed him to be a king, and here he is running from a king. So he's running, but God's got him. But when you get tired, he got tired, and so what does he do? He goes to the enemy's camp, and he starts hanging out with the Philistines. He says, hey, y'all. He says, King Arkish, can I, can you just give us a place to stay? Because, you know, I'm just tired, man, and I, I don't even think Israel even is for me any longer. I'm just going to hide with you. And he says, okay, I'll give you and your family Ziglag. So he gives them all of Ziglag. You got to be very careful the decisions you make when you're tired. And please understand that pastors get tired. We don't just get tired physically. We get tired mentally. We get tired emotionally. Sometimes you get tired just holding on to a word that you got to preach on Sunday. Where everybody running around having a good time. You're carrying this word. Like a pregnant woman. You get tired. Anybody been pregnant for more? Nothing, fellas. Don't you dare raise your hand. You start getting to that seven and eight month, you just get tired. And he was tired. And it's okay to say I'm tired. And please allow your pastor to be tired. Please allow your pastor to go on vacation and watch us. And don't come back and find out you didn't come to church or pay your tithes. If you want to really minister to your pastor, let him go on a vacation for a whole month if he want to. And you still come and serve as if, watch this, as if he was never gone. Why? Because my faith and trust is not in a man. It's in Jesus who made the man. And if you really love Jesus, whether your pastor is here or not, you can worship him without an audience. And that's what God's called the whole church to do. Can you worship me without an audience? Can you be faithful without an audience? And right here in Orlando, the NBA, in the bubble, played their hearts out without an audience. And some of you who are, watch this, you've been home, you're afraid, you won't worship, you won't serve. Even if you don't come to the sanctuary, you still can serve. You're serving your job. You're serving virtually everywhere else. And I'm here to tell you, you still can serve. That's how you encourage your pastor. He gets tired. Let me, I got to quick, I got to move, I got to move one more. All right, I got four minutes. He gets tired. And he decides to hang out with the enemy. Why? Because weariness is friend to compromise. Stuff you would never have done before, you do when you get tired. <laughs> I won't say that again. Weariness is friend to compromise. So David, so David's... So they're now, now that the Philistines, they're ready to fight. And so they're lining up, and David's army lines up too. They leave Ziglag, and they line up, because they get ready to fight Israel. And David's, 
army lines up behind in the group. And the Bible says that the lords of the Philistine, which were King Archish's men, and they're starting to count the soldiers. And they get to the end of the line, they see Davis. And they're like, oh, now you're David. You don't belong here. And they go back and say, the king said, no, 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 we are not fighting with David. Because this, 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 this man belongs to Israel. He'll turn on us in a minute. And so the king had to come back and say, David, we can't, we, we, we can't use you because they're, they're just, they don't want you here because you don't belong here. Because that's why I say when you compromise and start getting in territories and getting involved with relationships and people that watch this, they know you don't belong. Come on, some of y'all at the club and carrying on like you, oh, you listen to me. And everybody around you know you don't belong. I know when I was coming up, I, I could never dance. I was at Morgan State trying to get, you know, trying to get my dance off. And they'd be like, preacher boy, preacher boy. I didn't belong. And some of you, you just don't belong. You can try to be hard all you want to be hard. You got a call, anointing on your life. And you can't hide out. And so David goes back to Ziglag. He said, you can't fight with us. And he finds out there. That's where our text is. That everything has been burnt. All of Ziglag has been burnt. Ever been burnt in life? That's a slang word for being treated wrong. Slang word for losing money in a business deal. It's been burnt. He's burnt. He's hurt. And the Bible says these grown men, 600 of them, are crying, man, because listen, there is no pain like family pain. Get off in that affair all you want, but when I tell you when it's all said and done, you're going to miss your family. A real man loves his family. Are you listening to me? And so he's there with his, his, his they're crying. I mean, they're grown men, bawling. And David's bawling too. He's crying too because leaders cry too. And leaders, guess what else? Leaders got real families too. You think you can just reach them any time of the day at any time and they get mad when they say they can't talk to you now. Like they don't have kids too. And David's crying too. But here's what the paradox is. The paradox is when things get twisted. It looks like one thing, but it becomes, uh, it gets twisted. It's the truth twisted. This is a strange thing. It's the truth that's laced with contradiction and inconsistency and incongruencies. So David, the Bible says, while he's crying and he's, he's sad, the scripture says they flipped on him. And they said, the Bible said they started saying, we're going to, let's stone David. Now I have a problem with this text. I have a problem with that verse. Because the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord, and we just get the shouting. And I'm asking the question, why did David have to encourage himself? Weren't they the same men that came to him in 1 Samuel 22, broken, bruised, are you listening to me, upset in a hole with their families? Weren't they the same people that came to him and his brokenness and David poured his life into them and ministered to them and trained them and gave them purpose? And now when David is going through, he got to encourage himself. Something wrong with that picture. 
your pastor every week pours his heart out to you and ministers to you in your brokenness and in your hurt and as soon as a man of God has a hiccup or has a fall or has a, a mishap or makes a bad decision you flip out and you leave and you get frustrated and you go to talking about it and go to tweeting about it and go to posting about it why did David have to encourage himself that's my dilemma I pray that this is a church that never has a pastor that has to always encourage himself somebody come on come on and I watched this man of God I was with him I was with him when he had the trial of his life. And I saw him pour into young people. Some of them you see now, they're kind of, they got a little bit of juice. They got, some, got a nice page now, and they're around singing, did a little recording. And some of them, I remember them when they were young. And this man of God poured into them week after week on Monday night and preached to them and covered their mess. And I hope you're watching right now too. He covered their mess. I mean, they had all kinds of stuff because they were just human. But he would not tell. He would cover it. And some of you, he's been covering your stuff. He hasn't told anybody. My pastor's got to take all of this stuff in. All you listen to me and not tell anybody. He covered those young people. He prayed for them. And as soon as he hit his rock bottom, they scattered like flies. And I remember when I went to the trial of my life as a leader. Ten years ago. And the Lord showed me. He said, son, you're getting ready to go on the cross. And they're going all, they're going, many of them are going to leave you. Because whenever you carry any kind of sin, people don't want to be around you. He said, they're going to run from you. <laughs> he said, but understand this. After the crucifixion, there's always a resurrection. Some of you may be on the cross experience right now. You're in a place of recovery, but I'm here to tell you, you coming all the way out. I'm here to tell you, in just a few days, God's going to resurrect everything that's been broken in your life. He's about to heal every wound, every broken place, and you're going to begin to give him praise. And, watch and so David encouraged himself. And so David, why he's still wounded, because I know he's still wounded. I'm almost done. Give me just five more minutes, I'll be done. This is special. He's wounded. And he says, and he can barely pray. He says, bring me an ephod. Bring me an ephod. Because they believe that through the priest's sacred garments that they will receive divine inspiration and direction. He said, bring it to me. And he says, should I pursue? In other words, should I just stay where I'm at and just accept that it's gone? that I'll never change, that I'll never see my family again. And there's a place in all of our lives, there's a zigzag experience in all of our lives. There's a time when you have to ask yourself some questions. Can I move on even though things will never be the same? John F. Westpaw writes in his book, How to Get Past What You Never Get Over. Some stuff you really don't get over. I don't care what they tell you. You just learn how to manage it and live with it. 
Jacob wrestled with God and God changed his name. But he had to carry a limp all his life. And so David, in fact, the word zigzag means to press forward, to press forward. So here, David is in a position to press forward. And many of you are in the position and have been the last year where you've had to press. And God is saying, don't you quit now. Don't you give up now. If you would press now. And he says, shall I pursue? Will we overtake them? And the word came back, yes, you shall pursue. And you shall recover all. David gets his army together. He takes about 400 out of the 600 men, and they're going now to get back everything that the enemy has stolen because after you get recovered, after you get healed, it's time for you to get what the enemy has stolen from you. Watch this. But here's what I want you to understand. It was the Bible says it was the third day. It was the third day, which is prophetic of the day of resurrection. It was the third day. And some of you have been through some stuff, and you've been in recovery, but God sent me here to Orlando to tell you, you, it's your third day. It's your third day. And I need about a hundred people that realize that God's about to release resurrection power in your situation. He's about to give you a turnaround. I don't care what they're saying about you. I don't care if the families talk about you. God is about to resurrect. It's your third day. There he is. And when they're going on the road to recovery, they run into a little Egyptian. And he's broken and bruised. And the men of David, because David trained the men well, they have compassion. That's why I love this trace, because your pastor has compassion. Has compassion. He hasn't forgot where he came from. He has compassion. And he trains his leaders the same. And they see a man that's bruised and broken. He's an Egyptian. And they minister to him. They feed him. They clothe him. They say, hey, man, we got you. And then David comes along. And he says, where, young man, where are you from? He says, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm an Egyptian, but my master is, the, is a general in the uh, Amalekite army. He said, Amalekite? Yeah, yeah. He said, and that's the ones that burnt his, his family. He said, well, can you tell us where they are? Because God's about to reveal to you where the enemy is stolen. He's about to reveal to you his camp. I'm almost done. Just stay with me because don't miss this. Don't miss this. Watch this. And David says, he says, they're over there. He says, says follow me. I'm going to take you to the enemy. And he takes them to the camp. And when David gets to the camp, they're just dancing and eating and drinking, having a party. Because they got all the David stuff. I'm saying to you, the enemy has been dancing because watch this, or because he because he's had some of your stuff, or some of you, he's had your confidence. He didn't just get your money; he's had your confidence. He had your swagger. He stole your mojo. Some of you lost your vision, your dream. Are you listening to me? You lost your life. Are you listening to me? You got life, but you ain't living. Are you listening to me? And so there he is. Uh, so they're just dancing and celebrating, and God's and then watch this. But they, the enemy, didn't know that David was about the crash his party. And I'm here to tell you that your life is about to crash his party. The enemy ain't gonna know what hit him in the next several months. I need somebody to give God a praise. And David goes in and David confiscates everything that the enemy has stolen. And David recovers all. I need somebody to give God a praise for recovering all. I need, if you believe it, 
Go ahead and shout. You're about to get your joy back. You're about to get your strength back. You're about to get, oh, I hear that, Lord. You're about to get your children back. You're about to get your education back. You're about to get your anointing back. You're about to get your family back. You're about to get your marriage back. I need somebody to shout for recovery. Somebody go to jumping for recovery. I release an anointing. I release an anointing. Because God is revealing. God is exposing the enemy. And God is about to remove everything. And give you back what the enemy has. Go ahead and worship him. I'm done. Here's the whole miracle of this text. Here's the miracle. Ziglag is a picture of Calvary. Because some of you think that David was responding to an attack. But Ziglag was not a response to an attack. Ziglag was strategically planned. Everything that has happened in your life as a believer has been strategically planned. Even if God didn't cause it and you cause it, he's already measured out all the grace you're going to need to get to your destiny. David had to have Ziglag because now David has the power and the anointing to defeat his ultimate enemy or God's ultimate enemy was the Amalekites. They were generational enemies that God wanted many prophets to kill, but none of them could kill it. But because of Ziglag, now David has the recovery anointing and David's able to break the generational curse. I prophesy today that generational curses are breaking. They're breaking over your finances. They're breaking over your lust. Generational curses are breaking. You've been the only one left out of your family. But God says, I love you. God says you're going to be the David of your family. You're going to be the Abraham of your family. You're going to be the Noah of your family. You're going to be the Joseph of your family. Worship him. Whatever is hurting you is necessary. I know it hurts, but I need everybody who says, God, I receive my recovery healing to worship him. Go ahead. And for those of you that the enemy has beat you up and you left the church. But today you said, I'm tired of running because God had me go through Ziglag. I'm here to tell you, it's your third day to get saved. It's your time to give it all to God because God's about to blow your mind. He's about to show you that I created your Ziglag and I'm going to cause you to cover it all. Go ahead and praise him. I'm done praising. Give somebody a high five and tell him I'm going to recover all. Come on, worship him. I need you to understand that Ziglag was his worst day and God will turn your worst season into your best season and God will take your greatest pain 
and release his greatest power in your life. God takes the places and the events that hurt you the most and he causes a piercing so that life can flow out of you. David is a picture of Jesus. I'm done. He's a picture of Jesus. That when he is pierced on the cross, blood and water comes out. It's a picture of life. You're a pastor. Was pierced so that life could come. If you had not gone through what you've gone through, there would be no live church. You live because he came out of zigzag. And can I tell you something? If he came out, you coming out too. Father, we bless you for this man of God. I thank you for the word of God. We pray restoration to him, God. Give him strength in the name of Jesus. Strengthen his body. Strengthen his mind. We thank you for his vision. We pray that you send the right servants to help run with the vision. And that have his heart and not just got his back. We pray strength to him in the name of Jesus and his wife and his family. We thank you for open doors before him. Open doors before him. Open doors before him. No lack shall come nigh him in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the help of this body and the strength of this body. Keep him. In your name, we thank you for this word. We bless this man of God in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Lady Linyar, we honor you. This is his wife. Lady Linyar is home. We honor you. Everybody standing. We're going home together. No walking, please. We're going home together. Thank y'all. I know we're trying to beat the rush. Baby, come up here with me just so we can close. Oh, what a word. Man, what a word. Thank you. Thank you. Again, we could have had any preacher, bishop, anything. We have access to them all. But no, nothing and no more means more to me than this man right here. So I thank you, Pops, for coming and blessing Liv. Liv, were you blessed by the word? Amen. Thank you all for celebrating my birthday with me today. It's been an honor. It's been a, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. And, of course, I thank and honor God because without him, none of, I, I'm just not even anything. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to honor God for his goodness in my life and for keeping me. And I want to honor this woman right here, being by my side. 45 years on earth, 24 of those now I've been with you. So I've now been with you longer than I've been alive. So it's kind of hard to just, I mean, you know, I've been with you more than I've been without you at this point. And it's kind of challenging for me to celebrate me without thinking and considering you as well. Because who I am today is a mixture of Ziglag and you. <laughs> Thank you, woman of God, for standing with me. Thank you.
thank you for supporting me. Thank you for encouraging me. Now I ain't got to encourage myself. You're the love of my life. You're my queen. You're my everything. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I love you with all my heart. I can't wait to do the rest of my life with you. I'm excited to be able to do the rest of my life with you. I got you. I got you. Man, thank y'all so much, Liv. I love y'all so much. Hey, if one thing I learned, if I could leave y'all with this in 45 years, one thing I learned, one of the biggest challenges for me, y'all, trust. Trusting God. Challenge. One thing I learned, trusting God. He talked about being burnt. He talked about me being betrayed. Yo, the stories is crazy. But responding the right way and just trusting that God going to handle it. We clapping now. We, yeah, amen. But the application of that, it ain't no joke to do the right thing quietly while the wrong thing is happening to you openly. It ain't no joke to bite your tongue and turn the other cheek. We shout about it. But we got to trust that God will respond we do it his way trust do the right thing and just trust that he gonna work it out do it the bible way just, tr just trust that's challenging because there's so many options out there so many things make sense but to trust him and choose humility and not clap back and not it takes tremendous supernatural strength you got to be born again to be and even tap into that realm I said, you got to be born again to even The flesh can never do it. That's one thing I learned, man, is to trust God, to look stupid doing the right thing, to feel stupid within myself, for him to let them hang him. You, you understand what I'm saying? So that his purpose could be fulfilled. Let them put the crown on his head. He let all that happen. He could have called legions of angels. But he had meekness, power under restraint. That type stuff, man. That's success to me. Meekness, temperance, that's success. Trusting God and watching his fruit and his time. That's success. So trust God, man. Do it his way, even without immediate results. I'm reaping stuff 20 years ago now. And I know we clap like, yeah, he reaping it now. But it took 20, yo. Some seeds are 20-year seeds. Can you handle that? Some seeds are 30, 40 years seeds. Can y'all handle that type of farming? Wow. If you need it all now, you need it your way now, just get used to lower levels. But if you're ready to go up, if you're ready to go higher, exercise meekness, patience, humility, honor. All the unpopular things. I'm reaping it right now, man. And I'm so glad I did it then. And all fruit is new seed. Now I have fresh opportunity to do it again. And I'm excited to. I ain't gonna talk too much. He did. But that's a real thing that I see a lot of people do not have. We want success, we want things our way, but we don't want to trust God, his process, his timing, and be patient. We've learned that the hard way. 
and we're reaping it now. So I want to just get up here with a nice two-tone suit and do all that. You feel me? I'm clear. I, I wanted to be clean today. I appreciate it. But I'm able to be because I trusted God, man. Man, Pop said, follow the pattern. I'm just telling y'all what I did. And if y'all are here and live, you might want to align yourself to some of those principles. Because that's the oil that flows from this house. It flows from the head down. God bless you all. Let's stand. I can talk all day. I can. I feel another wind coming on. Stand up, y'all. Stand up. Stand up. When y'all stand up, I shut up. I mean, that's not true, but I'm just saying, stand up. We about to leave. Trust God this week, y'all. Do something his way and just wait. Do something his way and sit. Trust God. He'll do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Uh, don't, if you have to leave, do so. But I'm telling y'all right now, I'm going to have a little after party. Thanks for listening to today's message. We pray you were blessed by God's word. If you would like to partner with us so that we can continue sharing the gospel around the world, please visit livechurchorlando.com.